0: Could my tears forever flow, could my zeal no longer know, these are sin, good night.
1: each of you. Welcome to Sovereign Grace Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida. We may be small, but praise God we're large in truth. It's a very important thing. A lot of times we ask the Lord to let us grow and he does and we don't recognize it. Because maybe there aren't more people here. But there's more understanding in his word. There's more enlightenment in his word and application, more application To us in our minds, of how, again, to think, how to think, how we should think, how we should act, how we should be, as we are being conformed to His perfect image. All right. Last week we talked about uh, adoption, how we are adopted into the family of God, and how God has predestinated us. to be adopted into the family of God. And we talked about how solid uh, that legal term of adoption is. It really does place all the responsibility of that little life, we'll say, we're adopting a, a little child, on the parent. All of it. The same is true with us. We have been adopted into the family of God. We are God's. daughters and sons. We are His children. Adopted in and yes, just as important, just as meaningful as are the original children or the children of Jacob or Israel. We also looked at how we are grafted in to life. and I'm going to go over this quick so we can go on further. Uh, But I did show some trees up here. And I showed that where a graft has taken place and there again we are grafted into the family of God that the tree is wounded a slice is taken out of the side of this existing tree and certainly that is relevant when we see the Lord Jesus Christ hanging on the tree of Calvary isn't it it really is anything that draws our attention to Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the tree of Calvary for our spiritual lives matters. It's important. It's worth looking into. It's worth talking about. It is implied on purpose in God's Word. When that graph uh, is taking place, we talked last week a little bit about when you, uh, well I do a lot of woodworking, Rotating like woodworking too, and you can look at the grain in the tree and realize that it's like arteries feeding the rest of the tree the nutrients that it needs. The same thing is true with the children of God. How are we spiritually nourished? How do we get the nourishment to grow and to produce? fruit. When a tree is small and it first comes up, it doesn't have what it takes to produce fruit. Why? Because it is as a child who is in need of leadership, uh, enforcement as far as nutrition goes, so the little tree can grow up, it needs nourishment. All right we looked at how our life is grafted in to the life of Jesus Christ not only are we engrafted to the family of God but we are grafted in to Him it's important that we realize who we are today so much of the time we don't we have an identity crisis don't we I do what causes that identity crisis? Well, for me, it's involvement in the things of the world that don't have anything do, to do with the Lord and my following of Him in my life. Alright. He was wounded for me. The Bible tells us that blood and water came forth from His side. You cut into a tree, it bleeds too. God loves trees, don't He? He's using so much all through His book to describe our lives and His life and the relationship of the two. Alright. We were as a wild tree and we saw that in Romans 11, 24 that from a wild nature we have been Transformed and grabbed it into a new nature. Alright? So we were a wild tree over here. And you were so proud of my drawing until now. We were a wild tree of a different nature. Alright? How were we wild? Well, let's say that we weren't tamed. We hadn't followed instruction from God to be the person that He's creating us to be. I didn't care about God. I knew. I knew the story. I knew the gospel. But I was still wild. Why? Because the gospel had never been applied to my heart. It had been applied to my mind. it it had been applied uh, to my life in the way of my daddy's little paddle on my rear end it had been applied but not by the Spirit of God not effectually I was a wild olive tree but now Romans 8:15 tells us that we so that we might be grafted into his family adopted children legally adopted legally grafted in now when you graft a tree into another tree that tree I remember daddy doing it in the, in the orchard and I talked about this last week a little bit he'd have a big old bandage looking thing around the tree holding it together why because the fibers or what I call blood vessels come up through the tree <coughs> when you graft the tree in you line those up with these that's part of the process of grafting and it, it's an in, important part of the science of grafting and being successful with life moving over into another branch another identity even though it be wild alright so it was bandaged up why because it needed time to take hold of this living tree the new tree Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they fell from the presence of God. God put them out of the garden. When He did, He placed cherubim with flaming sword. Now, we don't really understand what that is, except that what we're told, it kept the way to the tree of life. It didn't allow entrance into that place anymore. But then the Bible tells us Lest man put forth his hand and take of the tree of life and live forever. Remember that? Let me tell you, as a wild olive tree, when you're grafted in to the tree of life, you take hold of that tree. How's that? We talked about being a little child. When you're first saved, you're a little child. If you're 100 years old, you're a little child spiritually. And you are fed and nourished by the milk of the Word, that which you are able to receive. And that, of course, by the grace of God, that you're able to receive it. These fibers... These fibers of this wild tree become part of the fibers of this tree. The grafted in branch takes hold of that new tree. I want us to see ourselves this morning grafted in to the tree of life. Isn't that plain enough? We take hold of the tree of life when we're grafted in. Do we do the grafting? No. We're over here. We're a wild olive tree with a different nature than this tree of life. Absolutely. Praise God when He saves us. He makes us part of His family. Legally. He paid the legal price for an eternal life with Him, you see. It makes me rejoice because He did it for me and He did it for you. And I didn't deserve it. I deserved to stay wild over here and die in my trespasses and sins. But He loved me anyway in spite of the nature I had. He loved me anyway. And He grabbed me in the tree of life so important I think that we get a grasp on the fact that and we're told over and over Paul repeats it we are in Christ Jesus He is in us He and the Father are one we are one with Him we're connected see praise God because when we were wild we weren't connected we were disconnected we needed that connection But we were unable to do what we're told in Genesis that we must do, and that is to put forth our hand and take hold of the tree of life. But we've been changed. He quickened us. He made us alive. He changed our nature. He gave us a new nature. Now we're able to grow in Him and produce fruit. Now we are Living Where? In the tree of life We are living in Jesus Christ What a great savior he is I'll tell you It's amazing Alright Now turn with me to Acts I don't think we've been anywhere yet To Acts I think it's Acts ten, ten. Acts chapter 10 Acts 10:10. I'm sure y'all know where we're going with this. But this is something that God revealed here to Peter. And I want us to see the significance of it. Let's just start in verse 1. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. Now there was a the certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. He was a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. All right. So Cornelius, this is the explanation of who he was. He was God's servant, wasn't he? Absolutely. He prayed to God always. Verse 3 says he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers... And thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them they waited on him continually, and when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. And on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew near nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the house top to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry, and he would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. He fell asleep, and he saw heaven open and a curtain, I'm sorry, and a certain vessel descended unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and it was let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts and of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air and there came a voice to him arise, Peter kill and eat remember who Peter was He'd never done anything like that because that was against what? His religion. That was against the law. There came a voice to him, verse 13, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Common there or insignificant or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call thou not common. This was done thrice, three times, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and stood before the gate, and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, now this, well, let me go on. Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. were sent by God though they were sent by Cornelius then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said behold I am he who ye seek what is the cause wherefore are ye come All right. now we know the rest of the story Peter goes with them so we're going to drop on down and not read all of this this morning Let's drop down to verse 31. This is Peter. And he said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. God heard you, and he's answering your prayer. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter, He slods in the house of one Simon a Tanner. By the seaside, I'm sorry, sorry this is Cornelius going over uh, what had happened. Who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Now what's the reason for all of this? Number one thing I want to point out is that God is giving Peter authority to preach to those outside of the family of God. That's what he's talking about. He tells him to kill and eat, and he goes, well, I've never done that. I've only eaten what was proper. But he is teaching Peter that there are other people, other than the children of Israel, that will be grafted in to the family, and they must hear the gospel. All right. Verse thirty four. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. No respecter of persons. In other words, just because an Israelite was born an Israelite, that doesn't make him God's child, does? No, it doesn't. Salvation is what makes through the gospel of Jesus Christ a child of God. God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation. Now he's going to identify some people. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say you know which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree him God raised up the third day and showed him openly not to all the people he's preaching the gospel isn't he God raised him the third day verse 41 says but not to it doesn't say but not to all the people but unto witnesses chosen of God who's grafted in to the tree of life. Who is quick and saved and is one with Christ? Verse 41 Unto witnesses chosen before of God. You see, God's the sovereign God and He's predestined His children. Already set in stone if you will, your life in him he's in control isn't he absolutely alright he is no respecter of persons he that fears him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him was that 35 yes Notice the way this is worded. In every nation, verse 35, we're in Acts chapter 10, in every nation he that feareth him, God, and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. With him. I think that's important. How are you, how am I accepted of God? Only because he accepted his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did when he lived his perfect life and then sacrificed it on the tree of Calvary. And we are accepted where? With him. With him. See, we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ in the sight of God. And so we're accepted, though we be wild tree, though we be sinners. We are accepted through Jesus Christ and we're accepted into Him. All right. Now, in James chapter 1, James chapter 1, right after Hebrews. Now, we believe that this is written by James, the Lord's brother. James chapter 1. And let's start in verse 17. James chapter 1, 17. James is careful to give God the credit for all good things. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of His own will begot He us with the word of truth. How are you saved? The Holy Spirit of God applied the gospel of Jesus Christ to your heart. That's how. You were quickened, made alive, by the Spirit. Of his own will beguile he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. I need to work on that one. Swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, verse 21 lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. The engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Then he starts teaching to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Don't deceive yourself. But notice, he says, the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, if this word be not engrafted, and as you've heard me say before, this Bible is just black words on white pages. Its meaning is not received unless it be Engrafted. Where's that word engrafted into? Your mind and your heart. The very deepest part of you that God created. And that as an individual. Alright. The engrafted word. Alright. Let's look at Psalms 1. Psalm 1. The book of the Psalm, chapter 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I talked about us being a wild tree before we were saved. Where did we walk? We walked in the counsel of the ungodly, didn't we? Absolutely. But blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, our delight, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. This is a characteristic of a changed life, isn't it? This is a characteristic of a life in Jesus Christ grafted into the tree of life. Now, verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he do shall prosper. His leaf shall not wither. That tells me that this life's eternal. This tree, this living tree that he's describing, it's us. And this life is eternal. His leaf will not wither, shall not. life is eternal, isn't it? Also in Jeremiah 17 Let's see if I can find Jeremiah 17 I didn't want this Alright, Jeremiah 17 In verse 5. Jeremiah 17:5 says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. There's another description of this old wild olive tree that we were. Cursed be that man, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Verse 6, For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabitant. A parched place. That's a place without water, isn't it? Absolutely. Verse 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. That's you and me if we're trusting in the Lord this morning, if we're standing on the rock of salvation that hung on the cross of Calvary for us, and we're standing on what He did for our hope of an eternal future. For He shall be, verse 8, as a tree, planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when He cometh, but her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. In other words, the drought is not going to have an effect on that tree. We're in a spiritual drought in this world today. People need the living water of Jesus Christ, don't they? Desperately. We desperately need it. We are a tree firmly planted by streams of living water. Firmly planted. That's because we're planted by God, you see. Our heart was changed and became good ground because the Lord now resides there in the Holy Spirit. We were planted in this good ground. Alright, still in the book of Jeremiah. Turn over to chapter 2. I know I got it going everywhere this morning. Alright, Jeremiah chapter 2. We will start in verse 11. Jeremiah 2.11 Says hath a nation changed their gods, little g gods? Has a nation changed the things that they worship and adore and spend all their time on and all their energy toward and their the love of their heart is gone toward these little g gods? Hath the nation changed their gods which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns. That sounds like works, doesn't it? Yes. Their own hands, with their own hands, they hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water and hold no water but the man of God shall be like a tree firmly planted by the rivers of water back in the garden of Eden there there was a river that ran through the garden of Eden and it broke into heads and spread out the tree of life was in the midst of the garden. And it was by this river of work. In Revelation, the tree of life it is on either side of a crystal river flowing from the throne of God. And in the midst of that river. We've talked before about possibly it being a vine Because he's told us That we are the branches He is the vine We must abide in him There's water of life coming From the throne of God I want us to notice That even the trees in the garden Were watered by this water of life I know that doesn't look like a river, But that's what that's supposed to be down there It's a river of water which the trees send their roots out to and pick up life-providing water. The Bible tells us that we are cleansed by the washing of the water of what? The Word of God, right? The Word of God. In Exodus, over in uh, chapter 17, uh, in Psalm 114, we see that God opened a rock in a desert place for the children of Israel. You remember that? They were obviously going to die. You can't live without water. They were in a desert and there was no water to be had. But God opened the rock And the psalmist tells us in one fourteen eight that the waters gushed out. They weren't running up there with the buckets and getting drops out of the rock. It gushed out and it says they ran in the dry places like a river. Like a river. That water of life. You see, it's the Spirit of God it proceeds from the throne of God as a crystal river and brings life to the tree of life that dwells on either side and in the midst of that river. God's Word goes forth throughout this spiritual desert in which we live this morning. And it goes forth with life-giving properties the water has what the tree needs the word of God is brought to us the word of God is brought to us through the spirit of God who applies it and applies the spiritual nutrition of the water to the branch that's grafted in to the tree that makes sense? How do you know that Jesus Christ died on you for you on the cross? How do you know? Because you received it. You see, we read it because you receive that spiritual knowledge, that saving knowledge, that powerful knowledge from God Himself. That's the only way you receive it. And now, remember, your leaf shall not wither. So eternally, you're going to be spiritually fed the Word of God. And it's going to be applied to you in your need and for your need forever. Well, is He a great Savior? What a Savior. I'll tell you, Peter preached the Gospel of Jesus Christ. He preached that God raised him from the dead the third day. The Spirit of God came upon those that He preached to. That's what's happening today. That's why God calls simple, plain old people like me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it'll be obvious that it's His power that quickens the heart, not the preacher, not those that tell the story, but it's God that worketh in you and through you to save souls, to provide living water to those who live in a dry and dusty world and are in need of Him. He's a great Savior. He was that rock in the wilderness. You see, spiritual life comes forth from Him. And like the psalmist tells us in Psalm 114, 8, it gushes out like a river. And all of God's children live from it and are kept and sustained every day by the Word of God. It's so powerful. When the Holy Spirit uses it and applies it to your mind and your heart, it's life-changing like you can't even explain because we just can't conceive of the greatness and the marvels of such a Creator. He's always known you. He describes in His Word exactly what He's done for you and how long it'll last. And that is into all of eternity. If there's such things as a trillion, 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 we'll just begin to find out about Him after that many years. Praise God for His Word we do ask that the Holy Spirit applies it today. That it will be effectual in our lives. Oh, We need it and God's provided it for us. Why would we not partake of the life that He's given? Oh, we do. and We give Him all honor and praise and glory because He is able to keep that commitment that I've made to Him. Did you get that? He's able to keep it. And he's promised to. What a say.